Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You know, your house smells. Don't get mad. Don't get mad. My house smells, too. I'm not not indicting you. I'm sure you keep a clean home, but just time means you're going to acquire smells, whether those are cooking smells that get in your paint, your carpet. Maybe they're animal smells. Maybe you're a smoker or someone else was. Just living creates smells. I didn't realize that my home had a smell to it until I got my first Eden Pure Thunderstorm, the greatest air purifier I've ever ever owned in my life. This thing, I had it plugged in for two hours. I came back in the room and my air smelled so clean. I now own three of them. I'm not making that up. This thing has absolutely changed me on top of what it's done for my allergies. Go get one. Get two. Be like me and get three. Go to EdenPureDeals.com. Make sure you use the promo code JESSE. That gets you 10 bucks off and free shipping. EdenPureDeals.com. Promo code JESSE. (laughs) 
The fallout is still coming all over the place from this latest Twitter thing, Facebook thing, where they stopped the spread of an anti-Joe Biden article. There's not another way to put it. And the article was totally in bounds, not by any means out of bounds from a reputable, I mean, the definition of reputable news source, if there is such a thing anymore, we're talking about the New York Post here. And the people who work at Twitter and Facebook, they simply said, no, actually, no, no anti-Joe Biden stuff. Oh, oh, you can push all the anti-Trump stuff you want. That's fine. Doesn't have to be true. You just go ahead and run with whatever. Oh, Joe Biden? Well, that's not, that's not verified. My question is this. As we talk about freedom of speech, freedom period in this country, my question is this. Why do they feel so emboldened? That, that's quite a step, right? I mean, it's quite a step if you're Twitter to take an article, an anti-Joe Biden article from the New York Post and simply say, no, not only can you not share it, no one else can. I mean, that's a big step. But here's what's amazing. They didn't stop there. They not only said, no, you can't share it. They suspended the account of the New York Post. And then they, start, they suspended the account of the White House press secretary when she shared it. They suspended the account of the GOP House Judiciary Committee. Once the outrage had begun and the president and senators were threatening subpoenas and threatening all these things, they didn't slow down or stop for one second. Twitter, Facebook just kept banning it. Oh, they'll ban you for complaining about it. And they'll ban you for complaining about complaining about it. You're done. Gone. What does that tell you? If I walk home tonight, or walk in my home tonight, I'm not walking home. <laughs> if I walk in my home tonight, and my son comes up to me and slaps my truck keys out of my hand, okay, that's a problem. And I yell at him, but I bend over, pick up my truck keys, and he slaps them out of my hand again. And I yell at him, and I bend over and pick him up again, and he slaps him out of my hand again. What does that tell you? Let's be honest about this. Let's, let's be frank. I know it's hard. It's hard to self-assess. What does it tell you? Twitter was immediately threatened. Facebook was immediately threatened by United States senators and others. They just doubled down triple down. What does it tell you? They're not scared at all. It tells you that they don't think the GOP has the balls for this. I'm sorry to put it that way. That's what they think. That's what it told me anyway. I thought at least they would back off. You know, I thought there would be this, well, uh, we, made, we made a mistake, which they kind of did that. But then they just kept suspending everybody. Blaze, uh, just giving everybody the middle finger. Well, I'm not sorry. Oh, you're, you're banned too. Oh, we'll ban you too. They're not intimidated. What does that tell you about us? And I'll tell you. We don't have defenders of free speech in this country. You or I are going to have to do it. We have a bunch of guys who talk tough. You've seen all these committee hearings, right? The ACB thing we had this week. 
you saw the Russian collusion stuff, but we don't have people who actually fight for free speech. They'll talk about it. They're not actually going to do anything about it. And you know what? These big tech companies, they know it. They absolutely know it. You don't take these steps ever if you're these companies and you think someone's going to do something about it. You take these steps because you think they're all going to go on the news and bloviate for about 20 seconds at a time and they're all going to move right along and we're going to keep doing what we do. Is that what we are? Are these the defenders of free speech we have? I wasn't intending to go off on the GOP tonight on my free speech show, but look, what am I supposed to do with this? Why do they feel so emboldened? They feel emboldened because all we do is talk. We never do. This is the same GOP. Remember this. This is the same GOP that repealed Obamacare, I think, seven or eight times under Barack Obama. The House passed Obamacare repeals, knowing that he would simply veto it. And they would pass through the House and Senate when we got that, and they knew he would veto it. And they're passing these repeals, right? Finally, Donald Trump wins the presidency, says, yes, I'll sign any repeal you want. Just send it my way. Can't pass one. There's a lot of this. A lot of this. I don't see a lot of doing. And look, the Democrats, they're not stupid. Yeah, people like Kamala, they're cheering for it. When I called on Twitter to suspend Donald Trump's uh, account that you did not agree, and I would, I would urge you to join me, because here we have Donald Trump, who has 65 million Twitter followers, and is using that platform as the President of the United States to openly intimidate witnesses, to threaten witnesses, to obstruct justice. And he and his account should be taken down. They're cheering for it. Why wouldn't they? And you know what? If I have to say something nice, you know what a nice guy I am. If I have to say something nice about the other side, good for the left. You worked hard for it. They spent decades worming their way into every cultural institution, mainly the education system. And now, this is the great thing about the left. This is what I wish the right right would learn from. The left gets power, and they use power. It would never, it just doesn't enter their mind to not use it. The left gets control of Twitter and Facebook. Of course they're going to censor out views they disagree with. It would never enter their mind to just, wow, hands off, just let, let everybody speak. That's not how they think. The right thinks exactly the opposite. Well, I mean, I know we, we have the presidency and the Senate, but ooh, if we pass that, it's going to look bad. Ooh, that'll look mean. All right, let's leave him alone. Whoa, 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 that's, that's, that violates norms. Ooh, is that bad? Was that rude? That violates decorum. These thoughts never enter a Democrat's mind. They get power, they use power every single time. Last time they had it all, House, Senate, Presidency, boom, here's Obamacare. Oh, America hates it? Shut up. You're having it anyway. That's what they think. Republicans, is that okay? Oh, oh, he seems mad. Never mind. Sorry, sorry, sorry. We're okay. We're, we're sorry. Sick of it, man. But I've seen a ton of this from Jim Jordan. Ton of it. I mean, if I had a nickel for every time I heard it was just a glitch, I wouldn't be as wealthy as our witnesses, but I'd be doing all right. 
We've heard that excuse time and time again. May 28th, Twitter censors President Trump's tweet on the riots in Minneapolis. May 29th, 2020, Twitter censors White House, the White House for quoting the president's comments about the riots in Minneapolis. June 23rd, 2020, Twitter censors the president again for saying he'll enforce the rule of law against any autonomous zone in Washington, D.C. You can tweet all you want about the autonomous zone that happened in Seattle, but the president tweets that he's not going to have one in Washington, D.C. Oh, 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 nope, can't do that. You get banned, you get censored. He seems upset. What happened? Clearly, Twitter wasn't intimidated. Trump, at least he knows, he's blasting away at him. They've had unchecked power to censor, restrict, edit, shape, hide, alter virtually any form of communication between private citizens or large public audiences. There's no precedent in American history for so small a number of corporations to control so large a sphere of human interaction. And that includes individual people controlling vast amounts of territory. And we can't allow that to happen, especially when they go about doing what they're doing because they're doing things incorrectly. They have points of view. And if we go by that, it's actually amazing that there was a success in 2016, but we can't let this continue to happen. It's very, very unfair. We don't have free speech in this country if the leftists who control the means of communication decide that you and I aren't allowed to say the things we want. You can hold up the Constitution to me all day long. If they have the means of communication in their possession and they don't allow you to say what you want, don't tell me we have free speech. All that may have made you uncomfortable, but I'm right. We'll be back. Joining me now, as he always does from the Media Action Network, Ken LaCour. Ken? Is it the human condition to actually believe in free speech for everyone? Now, I know everybody believes in it for themselves. You want to be able to say whatever you want to say, and so do I. Do people in general want everyone to have it? You know, I, I actually think it was a uniquely American thing that popped out. So, I mean, look, yes and no. I, you're, you're kind of asking the question, does the left really believe it? And, and do we only find it situationally good for us? I, I think that... It is an American value to protect free speech, even the speech that people don't like. Uh, do all Americans share that? Absolutely not. See, I, I actually, for the first time ever, really, on my show, wasn't even pointing fingers at just the left. I see it from people on the right all the time, too, of somebody will say something admittedly terrible, and they want that censored or shut down or stop that talk. Now, granted, I have the I have the benefit of not having feelings or a soul, but I don't care what people say. I don't care what they say to me, about me, about people I love, about anything I care about. It just doesn't matter to me. And that, to me, is how it's supposed to be. And yet I think people, in general, want to be able to say what they want and make sure the other guy can't. You know, I'm not, I'm not sure. I mean, I mean, that's a very good question. I mean, you know... We, we all know that, that we should be able to speak, that sometimes there are consequences to those words. But look, and, when, and, and you're right about it not being a just a left or a just a right thing. I mean, when I was younger, when I was your age, many, many years ago, it, it was really the, the right that was worried about 
you're saying bad words in songs or you're saying these certain things in schools. I mean, free speech was really a liberal and a democratic notion compared to the Republicans, but it's completely done 180. I mean, look, you're going to find some Republicans who say you shouldn't be able to say that, clamp him down. But, but the restriction of speech is now part and parcel of the left's political arsenal. This is just, it is a weapon. They started using it about five or seven years ago on college campuses. You know, Ann Coulter would come and they'd light fires on, on campuses. I mean, even at Berkeley, the so-called free speech, uh, free speech birthplace. And, and it is a, a fundamental tactic of the left. And, and yeah, you're going to get people on the right grumbling about stuff, but it, it's not the same thing. Th those are not equivalent notions. Okay, how do we fight back against what we're seeing, Kim? Because it's more than just, you know, it's more than just people shouting in people's faces as they're, as they're trying to eat dinner. Like you pointed out, this is, I mean, it's flat out sanctioned on college campuses anymore. This is becoming more and more ingrained in the minds of Americans who've graduated our commie education system that this is how you get things across. These big tech companies, they'll flat out censor anybody on the right and anyone on the left. Well, I mean, whatever they're saying is just fine. It's getting out there pretty bad now, and I'm not sure how we fight against it. You know, part of it is is that we on the right need to stop making excuses for them. I mean, look, when they first started the censorship, they were smart. They just, you know, they go after Alex Jones because he made stuff up or some crazy, oh, here's a, a you know, a true Nazi. Let's get rid of him. And and everybody on the right was like, yeah, well, okay, I, I kind of get it. And now it's like, and now it's to the point where, you know, you said you supported the president. Oh my God! What we have to stop doing is is playing their game at all. And when they say we're censoring, if you're not actively calling for the harm of another person, then everybody on the right needs to say, yeah, I don't care if that was a gay joke and it was a little uncomfortable, or whether you made fun of a trans or whether you did this. This is America. You can say that as long as it's 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 literally not trying to incite riots or or you know obviously if you say slander or libel or things like that. So I mean, look, a, a, a guy has been taken off of, I forget his name, off of the air up in Seattle. He, he was literally like laughing at his at his state saying, oh yeah, they all believe in science here, but I can go up to the registrar and, and say, backdate it so that when I was born, you actually classify me as a female. And he laughed about that. That is now transphobic and he's, and he's taken off the air. And it's like, We've gotten to a nutty thing. So part of it is we just have to stop saying, well, what exactly did this? Oh, well, he could have been a little insulting on this. We just have to kind of nut up and, and, and fight against this and call it out hard. The basic American, look, it's the First Amendment. I think that deep down people understand that free speech and, and good speech is best thing against to fight bad speech and not a, you know, the censorship, whether it's coming from Silicon Valley or whether it's coming from the government. And I think we just need to stand up and fight it every time we see it. You brought up the culture war stuff a little bit when you were talking about how this used to be a Democrat thing, especially, look, I remember these days back in the 80s, I mean, Def Leppard or Guns N' Roses, which seems so innocent now. It's not as if my folks wouldn't let me listen to it, but if my mom heard that on the radio, it was, well, well, what is that? I mean, well, that, that sounds terrible. He, he said the A word or something on there. How did we lose that? How did that shift? And, and you know what? I guess maybe a better question to ask is, was my mom right? <laughs> were the people right? I mean, you see where we've gone culturally. It's certainly not good. Maybe they were right. 
Well, of course your mother was right. That's that's the first thing. Um, uh, look, you know, we saw it kind of burble up in in schools a, a, a number of years ago. When when my children, who are now in their in their mid twenties, when they were in junior high, when I was in junior high. It was Nancy Reagan saying, don't do drugs, don't do drugs. And you'd have every every month, you'd have somebody come in and say, oh my gosh, drugs are horrible. When my children were that age, it was all about bullying. Stop bullies. I mean, they had posters on the school. You'd think that the number one problem in America was bullies, and, and maybe it was for young people. But that's what begat this culture of, well, what's the worst thing? What's the opposite of a bully? Well, it's the victim. Okay, so now you're you're a good person if you're the victim of a bully. And what do you do with bullies? You get them to shut up. And it was the it was the kind of that element getting in that that I think kind of caused this this current wave of you can't say that that's mean. And 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 we're we're now living with it. And it's now been weaponized by 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 the left for a for clear and and obvious political purposes. See, this is why I've, for the longest time, I've said we should get boxing programs back in school required of everybody. And I think we should get rid of these child labor laws. Ken, I think these things are terrible. You know, if the kids were out uh, picking cotton and, and picking rice instead right. of uh, messing around in school, everybody would be in uh, the coal mines. Food prices would drop down. We wouldn't need babysitters. Yeah, there's a, there's a, there's, there's a good mm -hmm. argument to be made, Jesse. You know what's terrible, Ken, is I'm actually not even kidding. I believe, look, <laughs> as soon as you bring up child labor laws, everybody pictures the kids in the coal mine. We've all seen the pictures of the, you know, a cigarette hanging out of his mouth and looks like he's half dead. Most of these kids were sweeping out candy shops trying to get some money so their family could eat that night. Why is that bad? Do we have better prepared adults these days than we did back then? You know, I swept a lot of my mom's beauty shop floors, and and to show how old I was, I emptied out the cigarette ashtrays because everybody was smoking <laughs> like this too. All right, Ken. From here, obviously, we have an election coming up. I don't know which way it's going to go, but I'm not under the impression these sides, left and right, are about to come back together. However, it always feels like that in election season when everybody just is tearing each other's throats out, and I want my guy to win and your guy to win. Do you see, I could see a scenario where there's actually at least a brief period of calm, no matter what, after the election, where everybody's just kind of exhausted? You know, I thought that might have happened after the last election, and that calm lasted about 14 seconds, and everybody went back <laughs> to the mattresses. Um, I mean, what you will see if, if Biden wins this election, you will see the press go back into a state of stupor. I mean, I existed for eight years in this country where the press was like, Oh my gosh, look at Obama. Isn't he good looking? I mean, and and you know, he wasn't nearly as good looking as as other TV hosts. But but you know, we went through a period where where 8 years the press literally couldn't find. Do you remember when 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 comedians said there's just nothing funny about this guy. We can't even tell jokes about him because you know, nothing nothing that Obama does is is funny. So you will see the press turn into a bunch of lackeys. They will uh, they will push Biden as much as they can until they can see that they should squish him out to get Kamala, who they'd really uh, really prefer to have. Um, um, but I think in in that instance, the right kind of will will put the pedal back to the metal and and be looking for a pound of flesh. Uh, if if it's the opposite, you know, we will see exactly what we see for four years. So no, I don't see both sides going to their corner, but I do see one side just stopping all. You know, stopping all investigative journalism. Um, I mean, look at the questions that they asked Joe Biden. You know, hey, here, sir, uh, this is an awful thing that you're that you're uh, that the president of the United States said. Does that show that he's a bad person? You'll get you'll get four years of that kind of kind of of, of, of response from from the press. But I I don't think anybody's going back to the back to their respective corners.
attend the court media action network thank you my friend all right thank you Justin. all right we'll be back Joining me now, editor at Red State, Kira Davis, as she often does. Kira, I have this problem. Now, I'm fairly libertarian-ish. Every time I take one of those stupid little online quizzes, it comes out as libertarian. I want my government teeny, teeny, tiny. And I want to stay that way. But I see things like big tech censorship all over the place. You can go down the list of things. And I'll tell you, it makes me a lot more nationalize the whole thing and break it up. What is right? What is wrong? I, I, I like being small government. At the same time, I don't think you can survive if the few people filtering your information are all on one side. Well, it's definitely a conversation that needs to be had. I don't know that I have the right answer except to say that it's not outside of the realm of law or possibility that the government will come in and break up monopolies. And I do think as conservatives, we need to start thinking about do these big tech operations have a monopoly on really our livelihoods? I mean, you and I are in an industry that really depends on the big social social media outlets to um, to message and to uh, produce our product. And, and that's they they set that up on purpose so that we're just using what's available to us so at what point is does it become a monopoly when these tech giants instead of saying hey here's a space where everybody can be heard everybody can get out their message and everybody can have this conversation if they start saying oh we need to decide what points of view are allowed to be on our platforms that might be something that the government should take a look at. I don't think at the very least, Jesse, I don't think there's anything wrong with having the conversation and asking the questions. These tech companies have deliberately set themselves up as the most powerful social media companies in the country. Well, that comes with a big responsibility. So there's nothing wrong with having the the conversations, with asking questions like that. Well, maybe we need to consider that they're developing a monopoly that could very well be dangerous to the face of our republic the election when it comes to the election everybody can everybody can think of somebody some voice on the right who's been kicked off or some article everyone knows about the new york post article about hunter biden and joe biden that was that was censored off of twitter people know these things when it comes to the election what can the government do now uh ag bar donald trump the senate can anybody do something now to make sure there's not more of this coming up to the election or are we just gonna have to sit back and grin and bear it the whole time i think we have to grin and bear it i doubt there's anything that's going to happen before the election oh. and i think and i have a very limited knowledge of constitutional law when it comes to this thing but i do know that the wheels of justice turn slowly so this might be a thing where if we if we can get trump another four years maybe this is something that his administration addresses a little more seriously i mean it is becoming a problem and now it's very obvious i mean today with the hunter biden story getting like blatantly censored this isn't just a thing of oh hey somebody was being mean and we need to make sure that people aren't mean on on social media it's not that 
this is a legitimate story with proof and evidence is a legitimate news story that they've now censored. So, yeah, I do think that there's a discussion that needs to be had. I don't know what the arm of the law, how far they're allowed to reach, but I would at least like to see the idea of addressing these companies as monopolies and also as... Um, and also as the violators of free speech, I, I would like to see something pursued. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm to the point now where I'm realizing I'm not even that controversial, Jesse, and I'm getting shadow banned from Facebook. I, my page is disappearing on Facebook. I'm to the point now where I'm realizing we gotta set up our own conduits of information, like what you're doing over there on the first. And and we've got to really build our own communities, but that's not how I want it. I want to be able to mix it up in the arena of ideas with people who disagree with me. I want to see their bad ideas and their good ideas, if there are any, you know, I want to see it all. I don't want Twitter telling me what I'm allowed to hear or what's going to hurt my feelings. I can I can decide that for myself. This probably goes back to, Jesse, we have this conversation all the time on this show, probably goes back to the fact that the kids are in charge. The inmates are running the asylum yeah. now. It's a bunch of kids that don't know how to, like, just let something roll off your back or close the app or turn off the video or, or close the news story. We've got a bunch of babies controlling what is turning out to be one of the most influential conduits of modern times. See, I agree, but I wonder, honestly, Kira, I wonder if you and I aren't the minority here, though. Because when I say I, I want everybody to speak, I mean everybody. If there was a freaking KKK page or a Nazi page, I say leave it up. I want to see what they have to say. I want everyone to see what they have to say. I think you do a disservice and you make them stronger when you hide them and ban them. Let everybody see. Let everybody speak. Let the nutballs speak the racists, the communists, let them all speak and let people decide. But I'm not sure you and I are the majority in that. I think in general, people see things they don't like and they want it removed. I think maybe you're right. <laughs> at least at least that position is getting slimmer. But I've been working hard to build. I moved over to Dave Rubin's site, um, Locals, and he set that up after he got banned from Patreon and from YouTube. And, and so I set up a community page over there. And I'm surprised at the number of people that are coming over going, oh, my gosh, I just want a space where it's okay to, like, say crazy things and not be... Um, judged for it or have your account suspended for it. Like I'm seeing, I'm finding those people. There may be more than we think, but as far as the influential media is concerned, as far as in our neck of the woods, Jesse, I do, I do think we're, we're a minority. I do think we're a dying breed. And, mo and mostly I would say it's the left. Although I do know some conservatives that are kind of like, well, hey, turnabout's fair play. If they're going to ban us for this and let's ban them for that. I don't think that's the answer either. I, I don't know what to do except to keep talking and keep pointing out these egregious violations of our free speech and our, our expression and to keep being honest about what I think is, is right. You know, I've been talking to my daughter a lot about she she's 13 she comes to me with this person got canceled that person got canceled and instead of dismissing it we have conversations about what it means to get canceled and what it means to just turn off the app to just turn away from the thing you don't like everybody doesn't need to be regulated all the time but i the the answer to 
censored speech, the answer to banned speech is more speech. It's more important than ever that people like you and I keep talking and keep inviting those bad ideas into the arena of ideas. The only cure for darkness is light. Otherwise, as you say, you, you push those people to the fringes and then they get in their little bubbles and it's an echo chamber and they all feel like they're right. There's no challenging them. You can't even ridicule them. You can't even shame them. We have at least, we need to at least be able to shame the bad ideas. No. Kara, when did you start talking to your kids about politics? I, I, full disclosure, my boys are 10 and 11. While I do this for a living, we've never done that really in my house. We've never gone into politics too much. Now they're old enough, they've picked up on enough. They get that we're in general a, Repu a Republican house, not a Democrat house. They get that communists are scumbags and things like that. But they don't generally understand politics. I haven't really discussed it with them. We talk about history. Did you start? Have you started? And when did you start? Yeah, um, probably for my son, who uh, was kind of interested in that stuff, probably about 11 or 12. And I just started talking to my daughter about it recently. And I'm so glad you brought this up because I um, because what we do is very ugly and things get very ugly. I don't prefer to bring children into these conversations. There's a lot of nuance mm -hmm. that they don't understand. But one day she came home and she said, oh, I can't believe that my neighbors have a Trump flag on the front of their house and a Black Lives Matter sign. How can you be for Black Lives Matter and Trump? And I was like, well, why couldn't you be? And she said, well, because Trump's a racist. And I was like, well, how do you know? And she said, everybody knows. And I said, well, who, you know, who told you that? And she said, well, my friend's mom said that. And that was when I realized that if you're not talking to your kids about politics, somebody is. And that was the day I realized maybe I really need to be more deliberate about these conversations. I don't have to drag her into an insult fest or into, you know, calling people names or insulting them for ideas. But I can explore some of the things that she's seeing. One of the things that I like to do is to make her watch the president's comments herself. So then she she can actually see it straight from the horse's mouth. But I do think that as distasteful as it feels, it's probably a good idea for you to start talking to your kids, at least on a basic level about politics. And also at the family dinner table is where they'll learn to express those ideas safely because you're safe in your home and, and you, you know you're not going to get canceled by dad. Uh, if you <laughs> maybe maybe not if you have the wrong view but that's where we start training our kids to have reasonable conversations is at the dinner table or in the car or whatever wherever you're spending the most time with your kids so I would suggest maybe thinking about the fact that if you're not I don't know how your kids are doing social media but my kids are on social media all day and if you're not talking to them somebody is so space abhors a vacuum something's going to fill that space do you want it to be you or do you want it to be the idiots on tiktok as a fact all right i'm getting involved we're going to go around the night we're going to egg all the biden houses that's it the kellys are getting involved thank you Kira like Davis. Appreciate lesson. you for that advice <laughs> <Bye>. <laughs> have a good one all right we'll be back Joining me now, friend of mine, Hollywood big shot, actor, 
producer, watch his great film, America, America, God Shed His Grace on Thee, and person who apparently owns a pink handkerchief, Nick Searcy. Nick, what, what is this? I have to know, is this a Hollywood thing? I need this explained to me now. Well, it just shows my, my sensitive side, and it also shows <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm sensitive to people that are worried about the virus. That way, if I go by them and they, they panic and they start screaming, I can just pull it up. Yes, yes. You know, in all seriousness, how is show business holding up with all this? Is this crushing production? Are they just moving on and pretending like they care? What's this doing? It's ridiculous. I mean, I, I'm do, I'm in the middle of something right now. I won't say the production's name, but we're uh, we're shooting, and um, they they had a scene last week where they had 50 extras crammed into a small room because we were trying to simulate this. Uh, convention sort of situation and uh, every, all the extras were standing right next to each other with a mask on and the first AD said well you know as soon as the uh, camera starts rolling everybody take your mask off and put it in your pocket and I said yes everyone don't worry the virus is smart enough to know when we're playing <laughs> pretend so they know that when the camera's on the virus can't actually infect anybody so everybody relax yes. Yes, and honestly, Nick, I've got to be—I got to be square with you here. This is the smartest virus I've ever seen in my life. The virus—you can catch it when you're walking through a restaurant, but not once you sit down. You right. can catch it at any one of Donald Trump's campaign events, but if you're protesting police brutality, that virus—it stays away. Yeah, and or if the Lakers win a championship, the, you know, you can—you yes. can just go into the streets and go crazy because it, the virus won't hurt you. It, it really is amazing. It's a very intelligent virus. Nick, what's the coolest place you've ever got to visit? I, I know that sounds like a weird question, but I always think it would be fun to be an actor because you get to go to, like, sweet places for a couple months at a time, and they put you up in big fancy stuff, right? Yeah. Well, <laughs> I don't know that I've... In my career, I haven't gotten to go to the really sweet places. Like, I go to places like Romania and, like, the Dominican Republic... And uh, <laughs> and Toronto, you know, I just they send me to places where it's cheap to shoot movies. That that's where I go. So not like I go to Paris or something. Oh, well, that was a huge disappointment. All right, the film industry. You and I have had this talk before. I actually, I'm in all seriousness, I'm very thrilled about what you're doing because I feel like conservatives make this mistake all the time. And look, full disclosure, I've made it a thousand times myself. You see the next doctor, uh, actor get up there and give an Oscar speech. And of course, he always, they always take the same leftist line. They're always taking some position there. And you'll get everybody on the right saying, well, no one cares what that idiot thinks. Well, no one cares about that, except people actually do. I mean, you yeah. can aid it or, or not aid it, but entertainment genuinely matters. It, ma it makes a difference when shaping a culture. We need to be more doing more of that instead of just making fun of the idiots they currently have. That's right, and the only way to do that is to get involved, and, and we have to start making our own movies and accept the fact that that's a good place to invest your money. If you're an investor and you want to invest in the culture, what you really want to be doing is making movies that will compete on the same level as the Hollywood is the Hollywood system. And what's great about what's happening now is that the Hollywood system has, is broken. It, it, they've completely destroyed themselves. And so the time is right right now for us to start making movies because pretty soon it's all going to split. You know, there's going to be a conservative entertainment system just like there's a liberal entertainment system. And it's time to start investing in that and, time, and start working toward it.
because it's not something that's going to happen overnight. It's going to take years. I mean, they've been running the show for 50 years at least. We've got to start now and and try to take it back. how did they start running the show? I mean, I, I, people, I mean, they see actors and actresses now and they think, oh, they're a bunch of left-wing nutballs. They weren't always that way, right? Or were they? And this is just, we're just seeing it now. Well, I think, that, you know, it's hard to it's hard to pinpoint the origins of it, but it really, it, it started as early as the 30s, really, because the infiltration of America with active communists in every walk of life. I mean, in, in the government, in academia, and in Hollywood, and there's always been sort of a, a an underbelly of that, but around 1960, I would say 1961, that's when people really started in Hollywood aiming towards the leftist idea, and that's because partially because some of their some of them were true believers, and some of them were just sheep, you know, trying to get along and, and using politics to further their careers. And Ronald Reagan, sort of uh, before he even became governor of California. He saw this when he was president of the Screen Actors Guild. He saw this this leftist bent coming in and saying, you know, this we need to advance our philosophy through the products that we make. He was battling this stuff even back in uh, 59, 60, 61. It seems like such an uphill battle to take back that part of the culture. And, and like, I understand people who feel defeated but I really do. I mean, am I off the off base when I say that helps shape a nation? It helps it helps shape the culture of the nation. I know this is I, obviously this is going to sound like I'm doing the back in my day thing. But when I was a kid, I still remember it. My parents would have a bunch of people over. They'd have Bible study upstairs. We'd go downstairs and we'd watch Full House in uh in uh, uh the show. Uh, oh shoot, I'm I'm blowing the 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 family family values. What is this show with the black family? Oh, uh, the guy who played fa- no. The black family who, was the guy, that? the black guy was the one who was in Die Hard. I forget about the name of the show, of course. Yes. <laughs> yes, that's exactly right. And that's what we would do. As kids, we would sit down and we watch shows about values. And it was about right and wrong and this thing and that thing. And there was, it was fine. I can't sit my kids in front of the TV now. No, no. It's all, you know, like David Harwood says in my movie, he says, artists have always been sort of subversives. They've always sort of tried to work against whatever the dominant paradigm is. But now the dominant paradigm is is actually leftist. And the, the, the people in Hollywood are now working with the dominant paradigm rather than against it. We're the sex pistols now. I am the rebel out here in Hollywood. Not these people that are, you know, that are, um, that are doing the, everything that the Democrat Party wants them to do. Sorry, my heart monitor just went off. I don't. I just don't understand. At what age do you have to get that you choose that ring for your phone? I that is maybe the worst sound I've ever heard in my entire life. Um, my dad did something similar. He has the the barking dog, which nobody yeah. likes either. Is this is there is this an age thing where you just want to pick the worst sound in the world? Well, no, no. That's just that only happens when my wife calls me. It's a normal <laughs> ring every, every other. Time. It's just like the, the alarm goes off. And go, oh, whoop, 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 whoop. That's not right. That's not right. Are you looking by chance? I understand you're starting this brand new Hollywood. If you're looking for an extremely handsome leading man, I think I know somebody. 
Well, we're accepting resumes. I mean, you know, I'll, I'll, please just uh, have your assistant contact my assistant, and we'll we'll take it <laughs> yes. from there. I mean, uh, there's there's yes. a lot of opportunity for 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 good looking guys. So, yes, I'll do that. Nick, how'd you get into all this? Were you uh, were you you know an artistic family? Was it you know singing and acting and and music and things like that as a kid, or how did you get into all this? You know, uh, there's no actors in my family, uh, but I come from a long line of, of preachers, of long uh, Baptist ministers. Not my not my parents, but like a lot of my uncles and my cousins, they were all Baptist ministers and gospel singers. And for a, a long time, I thought that I did want to be a preacher, but then around 11 or 12, I realized that, no, I, I just like having people look at me. So that's when I sort of went back into the theater but yeah, I'm 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 really uh, I'm really the only person in my family that ever went into the uh, entertainment business. Nick seriously. thank you, my friend. I appreciate you. <laughs> yes. Well, look, you are doing what has to be done. You're building this one. All right, get out of here, Nick seriously, Thank you, brother. Thanks, Jesse. Good talking to you. Be good. Look, it's got to be done. It, it has to be done. We can't just sit anymore and do what we've done and look at music, look at movies, look at sitcoms and say, ah, oh, that's a bunch of crap, I'm changing the channel. Don't get me wrong, I think you should change the channel, especially if it's something that violates your values, but somebody's going to consume something. We had better start putting out our content like he is or we're going to get eaten alive. All right, we'll be back. <laughs> There are places all over this world where saying the wrong thing can get you thrown in jail or worse. Let's pause for a moment. That was a lot of heavy stuff and feel very, very, very blessed that we do live here. But let's stay focused on the fact that if the left continues to take over every part of this country, that will be going away very quickly protect your freedom of speech and I know this sucks but you have to hear me here that includes speech you don't like that includes speech I don't like let the hateful people speak let everyone speak it's better this way alright we're out <laughs> Newton Group Transfer they are here to help you if you're stuck in a timeshare. Uh, these stories from people who have these timeshares and can't get out of them, they're shocking. These timeshare companies, not all of them, but so many, they get their hooks into you and you can't give them up. You can't give them up. Or they'll, they'll do things like they charge you thousands of dollars. One girl, she got past her timeshare when her mother passed away. She gets past the timeshare, doesn't want the timeshare, doesn't use the timeshare. They tell her she can get out of it for $4,000. She has to come up with a $4,000 check. This is not right. It's unjust. And Newton Group Transfers is here to help you. If you are in a timeshare and want out or know someone who is, call 888-845-3773. That's 888-84-JESSE. Or go to timesharejesse.com, Newton Group Transfer. They will help you out.
If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Cain Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleh Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., we dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.